As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, it's a special day here on the Here's the Catch 49ers podcast. This has you know, been through a name change and a couple seasons now, but this is our 100th episode of Here's the Catch. Hard to believe. I still remember when Matt and I started the show and then Dennis joined us. Dennis was a good luck charm for the 49ers because he came aboard and they went to the Super Bowl, so that was definitely a a huge turning point but thank you to everybody for listening over the past 100 episodes so today's a a little bit of a celebration here as we enter the final stretch of this 2020 regular season but uh, as our producer Tanika said right here before we started recording time flies when you're having fun and it's certainly been fun talking about 49ers football here all the ups and downs everything the good and the bad they've certainly been through the fire this year and I guess that's the perfect theme to start this today Matt the 49ers right now as we speak in the middle of the week entering this game against the Cowboys are in danger of having to play their fifth string center and their fourth string right guard and the best it's going to be is fourth string center and fourth string right guard on Sunday against Dallas. And that's obviously ahead of a backup quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo's not back yet and other key injuries around the roster. But it just seems to continue getting worse and worse, especially at an area of the roster that was already a question mark, was already a weakness entering this season, and that's the interior offensive line. So the 49ers who are hanging on by a thread to playoff hopes, I would say that they're down to their final strike in the bottom of the ninth inning with their weakest hitter at the plate right now. That's probably the the analogy. They're just trying to to live to fight another day, but but boy, they they don't have uh, the best cards lined up to do it. Yeah, and I think their their issues in the interior of the line start to explain why Kyle Shanahan tapped Nick Mullins again for this week. I mean, <laughs> there was a. Uh, a collective freakout on Twitter when the news that Mullins would start on Sunday came across. But again, you start to understand it because Mullins is the the faster processor, if you will, of the two, uh, of him and and C.J. Beathard. And I just wonder if Beathard were back there behind a a makeshift, uh, not just makeshift offensive line, but makeshift interior offensive line, whether he would just be a sitting duck. 
And uh, obviously, Nick Mullins has, has struggled. Uh, he's been hit quite a few times. He hasn't always handled pressure uh, very well. In fact, he ran right into it uh, with that, that fumble uh, and fumble return for a touchdown against Washington. But like I said, his mind does operate faster in terms of you know going through progressions, getting rid of the ball than C.J. Beathard's has. And that, that may be just the kind of the strategic decision that Kyle Shanahan made with going to, to Mullins once again. I think Mullins is going to have a, a short hook, um, Dennis, for this game. I, I think if there's another turnover, and he's had one turnover at least uh, in every start this year, then they go to, to C.J. Beathard. But that's that's how I sort of interpret that. W- were you surprised when you heard that Mullins was going to start against the Cowboys? <laughs> well, first of all, in a surprising twist, the 49ers have – more issues with their offensive line. And and that's just been it for the entire season. And it's been like that this for a couple seasons. And now you have your backup quarterback, one of your backup quarterbacks. I mean, I I consider them both being, you know, 2A and 2B because I see them as basically the same type of quarterback. But yeah, I was a little surprised because Nick Mullins has kind of turned into a turnover machine. I think he's thrown at least two interceptions every football game. So it's got to be tough for a coach like Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, has this offense that just, it's so geared on your quarterback making good decisions. And and he has to, he's had to play pretty much this entire season with the quarterback. Like you said, he processes things a little faster, but still, you know, some of his throws are inaccurate. Some are over. A lot of them are batted down and, you know, he's a turnover machine. But, uh, you know, what can you do when you have these two guys in your quarterback room, the only two guys in your quarterback room, because your your franchise quarterback is is yet hurt another season. So I think you're right. I think, you know, if, if he ends up throwing another interception early in this football game, he'll get yanked. But yeah, this last game against Washington, I thought he was going to get pulled, but he, he stayed in the football game at the end of the game there. So Kyle Shanahan's got to just be going through a hard time right now trying to just script plays to help his quarterback out. And now this week, you you kind of miss one of your main weapons in Debo. So, you know, we'll see what he kind of does and, and uh, see what Nick Mullins does because, you know, Alden Smith is a good perimeter rusher and he can get after you a little bit. So we're going to see, you know, what this offensive line does. They can come together. But I think the important thing is what's the play going to be of your quarterback, whoever's in there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, what's interesting to me is that in the Buffalo game, Mullins had a big task in front of him. Kyle Shanahan said as soon as that game started and you saw that first Buffalo drive, he knew that that Nick Mullins was going to have to put on a show to keep up he was gonna have to helm an offensive explosion but last week against Washington and then now on paper this week against Dallas the degree of difficulty for Mullins as far as the bar that he needs to clear is is not high and that's not saying that Washington isn't a good defense they are but the 49ers quite literally would have just been okay with Mullins taking a sack on most of those downs where he turned the ball or all of the downs where he turned the ball over uh, last week and they still would have won because Washington's offense was doing so little and I think 
you know, you look at Dallas, we may see a similar dynamic this week, right? Dallas with Andy Dalton starting in place of Dak Prescott, who was injured early this year for the entire season. They haven't been efficient offensively. And then on top of that, they haven't been very good defensively. So the 49ers, despite their issues on the line, um, despite the fact that Mullins isn't playing well, I think if the defense, you know, is able to more or less play at a similar level as they did last week, they'll still be in a position this week to where Mullins just doesn't have to do all that much and the line doesn't have to do all that much. Just don't mess it up. Don't score points for the other team while you're on offense. And 14 of those points happened last week, arguably even 17 because Jeff Wilson fumbled. So, um, you know, it, it gets harder after this, Arizona and Seattle to close the regular season. But this is still one of those games where it's not going to take that much from Nick Mullins. If you're Kyle Shanahan, right, you just hope that your backup can be the game manager that you need in this game. Yeah, and, and Dallas hasn't been very good, and their offense hasn't been very explosive. They've got a good downfield receiver in, in Michael Gallup, but you know he's not one of the top receivers in the league. They're going to give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Elliott's still not having a, a fantastic season, but he's still, I think, top five in total rushes. So he's their workhorse. They're feeding him the ball. The 49ers, first and foremost on defense, are going to have to stop that. And they will have some guys back this game. DJ Jones on Wednesday, he practiced on a limited basis on his sore ankle. So I think the 49ers are hopeful for him. Kevin Givens, away for the birth of his daughter against Washington. He'll be back. He's a guy who's up and coming. So they should have the interior of their line back. And I think at some point we have to give credit to Chris Kosarek, the uh, defensive line coach, who's you know missing huge pieces of that line, but is still kind of uh, squeezing out the uh, the most out of you know the Kerry Hyders. Uh, I mentioned Givens, Contavious Street is finally coming into his own. So he's getting a lot out of those guys. Dennis mentioned Alden Smith having a fine year. He's got five sacks. But Deion Jordan has three, and, and Jordan Willis has two and a half. So those two guys combined have outproduced, at least sack-wise, Alden Smith this year. So my point is that the 49ers are, are making wine out of water in a lot of ways, and I think that group stacks up well against the Cowboys' offense offensively for the 49ers I'm not sure that's been the problem uh these last few games again it's going to be won or lost at the line of scrimmage and if the 49ers can build on what they did last week against Washington and the way they kind of confused Alex Smith early in the football game before he went out they'll be all right Andy Dalton is a is a guy that we all know I thought he had a really good career in Cincinnati but they moved on from him He's a veteran quarterback. He's got a strong arm. I just hope the 49ers don't play down. And we were talking about, on paper, it looks like this is an offense you can kind of get after. And, and I think back to the Philadelphia game and the Miami game, when on paper, it looked like two teams that you could really get after. There are two quarterbacks that were really kind of struggling. But yet, in those two football games, for some reason, both of those quarterbacks look like Hall of Fame players. So... The 49ers have to rise to the occasion, understand kind of who you're playing against. Andy Dalton, Zeke's in the backfield. If you can shut him down, Dalton's a guy that, you know, if you put some pressure on him, you know, he'll give up some gifts. I mean, he'll give up some pick sixes. And, you know, that's what you kind of have to do up front. And we talk about that defensive line and the lack of that perimeter rush. And I was just thinking, a lot of these guys who are out there, other than Deion Jordan, I think all the rest of the guys are defensive tackles trying to play defensive end. And it's a whole different game plan if you're rushing from the outside and used to being on the inside. So 
Hyder Jr.'s done a really good job, but the rest of these guys are basically interior defensive linemen trying to create some type of pass rush from the outside. So the challenge is not to play down to your opponent this week. The challenge is to play tough like you did last week and shut down the offense and make them one-dimensional and get after a quarterback that doesn't like pressure. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And Dennis, uh, Kerry Hyder technically falls into that category too. I asked him during training camp because he had played for Dallas. He's actually playing against his former team this week. That was last year. He split exactly even 50-50 split for Kerry Hyder between snaps at tackle and snaps at defensive end for the Cowboys. So I asked him, you know, where are you most comfortable? What do you feel that you naturally are? And he said, I'm an interior defensive lineman in training camp. And then all those injuries happened, and he just started playing on the edge every single down. It's fallen off a tiny bit, but in the pass rushing productivity rankings, he was top 10 for a while. I think he's like 12 or 13 now. I'll have to go check that. But I mean, he's still getting four or five pressures a game. Obviously not finishing as much as a guy like Nick Bosa, and also doesn't have the benefit of you know all that the wave after wave of edge rushers and interior linemen that Nick Bosa had last year. So who knows what Kerry Hyder would get to do if he got to play with you know other really productive guys? Because as you said, the 49ers are trying to fit some square pegs in the round holes, you know, on that defensive line, and he's one of them. Right. And I think that's been really impressive. Well, let's talk about the 49ers offensive line, guys, because this has been just a long implosion of injuries, you know, guys not panning out. And now you reach this point where it's going to be, it's scary, I think, for Nick Mullins entering this game, looking at the situation up front. I mean, the whole domino effect started last year in week 14 when Weston Richburg tore his patellar tendon against New Orleans. He hasn't played since. His career might be done for all that we know, because that just keeps on getting prolonged and prolonged that whole recovery process. So I don't think the 49ers can count on him coming back. That was at center, and we know that center has a ripple effect on everything, especially when the backup, Ben Garland, suffered what apparently was a very serious calf injury because if it wasn't serious, he'd already be back. But Kyle Shanahan said Wednesday he's not expecting the backup center Ben Garland to be back this year. So that started this crazy domino effect, right? Because once the 49ers were down their first two centers – and Kyle Shanahan found out that Hronos Grasso couldn't pick up a blitz against Seattle. He had to bench him, his third-string center. He had to move his starting right guard, Daniel Brunskill, over to center. Well, the problem is that the two replacement right guards for Daniel Brunskill are now unavailable. Tom Compton is on IR, concussion issues, and Colton McKivitz just landed on the COVID list. So now you're down to your fourth option at right guard, which is probably this guy named Tony Bergstrom. He's a veteran that the 49ers have you know, picked up earlier this year. 34-year-old's been with eight teams, that kind of guy. But the problem is that Daniel Brunskill is also dealing with a shoulder injury. So I'm not sure if they're 100% certain he'll play because he's only limited to practice. So you might be on your fifth option at center. Hronis Grasso, by the way, is hurt as well. So they had to pick up a couple practice squad guys, Matt, today that can play the interior line. I think they have one career start in between both of them in like 10 combined years in the NFL. Hopefully I did that right, but I just went through everything. And then McGlinchey's not playing well at right tackle. Lakin Tomlinson had his worst game at left guard. The only 
plus offensive lineman and pass protection right now is Trent Williams. The rest of it's a, a mess especially at center and right guard. Yeah, you know, you spelled it out right. And and Kyle Shanahan was going over that, that injury list with us Wednesday on the Zoom call. And I'm thinking to myself, who's left? <laughs> I mean, I had to look up whether the guy's name was Tom or, or Tony Bergstrom. And I've been covering this team very closely since, you know, Training camp started in August. I mean, I know all of these guys. I haven't heard of some of these guys who might get in on Sunday. So that's how desperate the 49ers are. And that center position is a big question mark. I mean, you you talked about Weston Richburg and the dubious nature of his injury and whether he ever plays again, much less for the 49ers. I don't know whether they would rely on Ben Garland for a full season, whether Kyle Shanahan will go shopping in, in free agency for a center, Alex Mack, his his center from the Falcons is going to be a free agent. Alex Mack is also 35 years old and, and hasn't played all that well this year. So there are no easy answers there. Um, I've been intrigued by this guy, Dakota Shepley, who is a CFL guy. He came in midway through training camp, and usually when a guy comes in midway through training camp, he's got no chance of of making the squad, and and, uh, Shepley didn't, but he stuck around on the practice squad, and he's been there all season long. So, uh, you know, that's partly because of the 49ers' issues at center. But I think that this guy has a little something. He's very athletic. Um, The CFL is a a wide-open league. There's a lot of running around for the offensive linemen. So he's, uh, he's sort of built in that way, and I just wonder whether he'll finally get into a game and whether the 49ers can kind of see a little bit from him. I'm not suggesting he's the center of the future, but this team needs answers at that position moving forward, and they are just few and far between this week. Um, I know that Dallas doesn't have a great defense, but uh, there's going to be some issues, some holes, I think, in the middle of that line, Dennis, and uh, that's that's a concern going forward. I don't know if you guys know the answer to this question, but how many practice squad guys have the 49ers had to activate this year? That's does, dozens, right? Yeah, it seems like every week someone's being activated from the practice squad. And there's a reason why you're on the practice squad because you you know you still got some things that you need to develop and and then all of a sudden you're you got yourself in the middle of a of an NFL football game. And as an offensive lineman, that is a task. I mean, the one good thing is that the defense, the opposing defense does not have any tape on you. So it's going to be kind of hard to kind of see, you know, some of your flaws, some of your shortcomings are. But I mean, to come off a practice squad or come off the street and be put into a football game is tough. And it's even tougher if you're an offensive lineman because you have to, you have to know the calls, you have to know the blocking schemes, you have to be able to understand you know, the audibles, the uh, quarterbacks kind of barking out at the line of scrimmage. You got to see the blitzer. It's just so, and especially at center. Center, you're basically kind of coordinating that whole offensive line. So it's got to be tough. And I just pulled up the uh, depth chart and all I see is, you know, questionable, out, IR, all across the entire roster. So again, Kyle Shanahan, this has got to be his toughest year of coaching only because of, you know, all the injuries and then, you know, the COVID, the pandemic going on. You know, his offense is so based on these little detail things. And the offensive line is a huge detail. And he hasn't had a good effective offensive line the entire football season. So, again, it's going to be a challenge. And, you know, believe me, Dallas Cowboys, that defensive line, they're going to come out fired up because they know they're, they're going to be playing against some guys 
who aren't used to being in a football game. So the challenge is there, and it's going to be a tough game to watch, I think. But I think if if this offensive line can have a good game, you know, and the 49ers can put up maybe 20, 30 points, 20, I don't know, 27 points, they can pull this game out because I think the defense will show up. That's the thing. You know, Dallas is – this is a team that's been through maybe even more than the 49ers this year. I th- I know injury-wise, the 49ers are at the, at the very top, but Dallas, I think, started with a weaker roster to begin with. The quarterback had a completely gruesome injury, so there was no shot he was ever going to come back. And Dak Prescott, and it's just not a good football team. So, you know, and the big picture is the hope for the 49ers is that you looked at this schedule and you thought that Washington and Dallas were definitely winnable football games. They blew that opportunity against Washington, but now they really have to have this one against Dallas. And it's our responsibility to kind of talk about this until the 49ers are officially eliminated. Right now they're behind, you know, essentially three teams for that last wild card spot. Arizona, Minnesota, and Chicago. They're going to need help. They need to win all three of their own games, the 49ers do, which is probably the hardest part of this. But there's a good chance that the other stuff happens. Arizona needs to lose at least once to the Rams or they play Philadelphia. Minnesota needs to lose to the Saints, which probably, you know, that's a good chance of happening or they could lose to either Chicago or Detroit. And uh, Chicago needs to lose to Minnesota or against Green Bay or Jacksonville. So if you go through those three things, the contingencies, right, that need to happen for the 49ers to stay alive, those are all still on the table. And I think, you know, very probable. What's not probable is the 49ers winning three straight games against Dallas, Arizona, and Seattle. But we're still, you know, on the whole bridge concept. Can the 49ers build a bridge to better health? And the problem is the health just keeps on getting worse along the offensive line. But you still have the looming hover potential returns of George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo. They activated George Kittle's practice window on Wednesday, and that means that there's a chance that he plays this weekend. Shanahan didn't rule it out, but to me, it sounds like they are just going to try to build that bridge, win this game against Dallas without him, and then if they win this game and contingencies start happening elsewhere around the league, and it looks like there's a good chance the 49ers make it by beating Arizona and Seattle, that's when you can really start talking in earnest about a George Kittle and potential Jimmy Garoppolo return. That's my reading of of the tea leaves here for the 49ers. Yeah, and I think that Shanahan, um, and and you understand why he might do this, has been sort of dangling that out there as a as a carrot. Like, you know, if if this team continues to win, I mean, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle can be back in the lineup. I mean, that's incentive. Um, and if that happened, if the 49ers did win, and these are all big asterisks filled ifs. Um, and that scenario did occur, Then, uh, and the 49ers make the playoffs, and then Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are back, and maybe that first playoff game is on the road in Los Angeles against a Rams team that the 49ers seem to have the number for. I mean, it's not, it's not so ridiculous to think that they could you know, do a little bit of damage in, in the playoffs, but um, you know, putting some reality into this, Shanahan was asked, would you put Kittle in the lineup if the 49ers are eliminated? And he says straight up, no, I'd have to think about that. I'm not sure about that scenario. So they are going to be cautious. They're not going to throw Kittle in there just to do it. Uh, I think that'll be very frustrating for George Kittle, who's, I'm sure, worked as you-know-what off to to get back at some point this season and and probably would want to be back in the game uh, in the lineup, I'm sure would want to be in the lineup, even if the 49ers are eliminated. That's that's the kind of guy that he is, and why he's sort of the uh, 
the epitome, the 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 soul of this team now. Uh, but you know, I wonder the same thing about uh, Garoppolo. If these guys aren't in it, are the 49ers really going to kind of put him in the in the lineup and risk a, a more serious injury? I don't know, Dennis. If you were in that situation, what would be your thoughts as a player? Uh, having to sort of uh, really rehab really hard and then have your coach say, well, we don't really want you in for these last couple of games anyway. I mean, as a player, of course, it comes down to what the doctor says. But as a player, I mean, you want to be on the field, even if it's, you know, not going towards a playoff game or, you know, we're making that run to the play. You just want to be on the football field. And I don't know George Kittle personally, but I watch, you know, the way he works in practice and the way, way he plays in football games. And I think he's a guy that he just wants he wants to be on the field and, you know, he wants to be out there and help his football team. And I think that's the that's the attitude of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. But we saw, you know, him coming back early, maybe he came back too early and he kind of re-aggravated that ankle or maybe was it the other ankle he actually hurt the same way. But as a player, you want to be on the field. And especially with a, you know, with a losing season like this or the the, the challenges of this season, you really want to be out there because it's tough. I mean, while we're watching these games, we see Jimmy Garoppolo, we see George Kittle up in the stands, and it's tough to kind of watch, you know, your people, your friends, your your brothers, you know, go through these challenges and you not being there, win or lose with them. So, you know, we're talking about playoffs. I just don't see right now this team, the roster they have, and we just talked about the offensive line. I don't see them as a playoff football team. I just don't see it because the quarterback – position is so iffy yeah if they can win out that'd be great I mean that's a big if I mean this team has to do a lot if they want to win I mean even this week but to the Seattle and the and the Arizona Cardinals I mean that's going to take their best football games and I just I just don't think at the quarterback position right now they are a playoff football team but you know I'm just an old defensive lineman I mean it's just tough to see this team you know pushing through and winning out uh, three football games, especially two divisional games. Definitely. And that's where the baseball analogy comes in, you know, and as a competitor, you know how it is. You're in the bottom of the ninth inning. There's nobody on base. You still have to score a couple runs and your worst hitter is literally at the plate, you know, with that last strike, but you just have to fight off pitches at this point. You don't completely pack it in until strike three is called or that final out is recorded. So right now the that worst hitter for the 49ers is facing some high heat and having to foul it off and just try to find a way to get on base and, and stretch out the season. And hey, weirder stuff has happened, right? So that's the reason why they play these games and you know why we like to write and talk about this kind of stuff because uh, sports can, can throw you a lot of different twists and turns. They've certainly thrown the 49ers plenty of negative twists and turns this year. And you know, it's been an interesting season, Matt, because the 49ers, this has not been the typical 5-8 and eight team. They've had a couple resounding victories. I mean, normally your five-win team is going to be squeaking out some games against bad teams, not beating one of the better or best teams in the NFC twice in the Rams, extremely shorthanded both times, especially the second time on the road. They also went into New England and just completely whipped a Patriots team that is not getting whipped by all too many opposing teams. I know that uh, it didn't go too well for them when they played the Rams, but that was before. You know, the 49ers at that time when the 49ers 
beat the Patriots that bad, everybody said, oh, wait, you know, they may have something. Even the way that they beat the, the New York Giants at the start of the year without Jimmy Garoppolo playing with Nick Mullins in that game, you know, they flexed in that game. They did what a good team should do to an inferior team, and they smoked them. Now, for every one of those, there was, what, 1.2 or 1.3 of uh, the Philadelphia game where the 49ers had a better roster than the opposition, but because they had those injuries at key spots, especially at quarterback, um, they threw up on themselves and, and they lost the game. So that's how they're 5-8 and eight right now. But the signs of that powerful roster, the signs of a potentially good team have flickered every few weeks and they haven't been able to sustain it. And now, as I said, they're down to their last strike. This is when they have to sustain it. This is when they have to show up for three straight games and then hope that a lot of other stuff happens around them. Yeah, and I think that's the most uh, uplifting thing that a 49ers fan can consider this year is that you know, this team has been stripped of its talent, but the but the core there has been strong. And that's what kind of kept them in this playoff hunt un- until now. And, and so much of the wins and losses, to me, has to do with timing. I mean, are you healthy? Is your opponent on a hot streak? Did they just have an emotional win and are they going to have a low? And you could look at these next few games as positive in that regard. Like you noted, the Cowboys have been under a dark star this year and they really haven't played well recently. Um, the Cardinals have not uh, have been on a bit of a, a losing streak in in recent weeks. Maybe the the Seahawks uh, will have kind of clinched their playoff seating and won't have a lot to play for in Week 17. Um, you know, those are all possibilities. But um, like I I agree with Dennis. I mean, this does not seem like a team that is destined for the playoffs. But the fact that we're still kind of considering it here, despite everything that they've gone through, to me it is positive. I think that reflects very well on the uh, the coaching staff in particular. Guys like Chris Kosarek, who are still kind of uh, getting the most out of all of their players. Uh, Bobby Turner, who's you know turning water into wine as far as running backs who weren't drafted, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, like I said, I think that bodes well for 2021. It's the nature of the game, too. I mean, these guys do understand that every time they're on the football field, they're being evaluated. And it's either going to be the 49ers next season or it's going to be another team. So, I mean, you use that as your your motivation. I mean, it is your livelihood. And, and guys on the field, and we always talk about this team keeps fighting. Well, they're fighting because they're fighting to stay in the NFL. And that's what, what every every guy in the NFL is doing. You're fighting to stay in the NFL because someone's always looking at you. They're evaluating you. And they're trying to figure out how they can get the best out of you when you're on the football field. That's the attitude you kind of have to have. And that's the attitude you have as an NFL football player because you know that all it takes is, is, is for a team to release you. Uh, and if you got bad tape out there, you'll never get a job in the NFL again. So... These guys will continue to go out and fight. They'll go out to give their best effort no matter what's going on. And whatever happens after that, you know, everyone's kind of looking like, who's going to be here? Who's going to be here? But as a player, you're thinking, did I put my best foot forward for this football game? So again, you're going to see a lot of people jump off the tape, you know, even this Sunday. You'll see some some guys be like, wow, Hyder Jr. You'll see Javon Kinlaw because these are guys who want to, you know, who want to continue to play in the NFL. And, and then there's a lot of free agents on this team, too. And uh, if the 49ers don't have the money to sign them, there's another team out there that's going to be watching film and seeing if they can help their football team. So NFL is kind of interesting that way. It's, you're in business for yourself, basically. Yeah, well, uh, Richard Sherman wasn't exaggerating uh, when he said 40 free agents. There's literally 
over 40 free agents and Matt wrote about all of them. Uh, so make sure to go to the athletic and check out that piece. He just does a great job going through every single one and, you know, just very briefly going through the potential dynamics at entering this off season. And you're right, Dennis, that makes these final three games all the more interesting. And there is still, you know, the 49ers aren't technically eliminated yet. So you're watching these for the last gasp from the football team, but also for how they're setting up the future as far as free agency goes. And that brings me to our predictions. And I was good at these last year. You know, I think that we all kind of saw the 49ers for what they were, a really good team, you know, before a lot of the national folks and the larger group of, uh, you know, analysts caught on. But this year, I have to say that I've been pretty wrong because I've always thought that the 49ers have had a little bit more in the tank than they've shown. Um, So it's starting to burn me for picking them here the last two weeks, especially last week. I thought that Nick Mullins didn't have to do a lot, but he did exactly what he couldn't, you know, and and he gave um, the other teams 14 points. So this week, the challenge, you know, again, is even easier. Yeah, the 49ers are a little bit more beaten up. There is no Debo Samuel. That's, That's brutal too. But the Cowboys just stink this is not a good opponent they're also missing like four offensive linemen i can't just switch because the 49ers lost last week i honestly think that they have enough to beat bad teams or incomplete teams and dallas is a bad team they're both bad and incomplete so i think they win this game matt i think they win it by a score of 20 to 17 well i want to say that i've been even worse than you this year uh and i think that dennis was the only one who got last week's game against washington correct i'm sure he'll take credit for that <laughs> if he didn't <laughs> get it right but uh i'm also going to go with the 49ers um uh, and and i'm going with the theme that nick mullins has just just taken a beating from the opponent from the fan base from everybody and he's a feisty guy i know that he's not the most talented guy in the world and he's not going to look great all game but i think he's got fight in him. He's got a lot to play for. He's going to be a free agent in March, just uh, along with 39 other guys on this team. So I think this will be a bit of a bounce back game for Nick Mullins. He's going to show his pride. Uh, I think his teammates appreciate him. I think Shanahan appreciates him. That's why he's getting the start again. And uh, I think he'll reward Shanahan with a better game than he had against Washington. Um, I'm going to go 24 23 49ers win this maybe it's a uh, a Robbie Gold last second field goal to win it wow you guys <laughs> I'm sorry I, I just <laughs> I, I think again the quarterback position is I, Nick Mullins is a turnover machine and yeah he may be feisty he may be tough he may be super intelligent all that great stuff but when it comes to playing that position he gets in between those lines he looks like Things that he wants to do, just physically he cannot do. So I just think it's going to be another tough game. I think, you know, we talk about this team. They're not being a very good football team. Sometimes they don't play very good football teams very good. And I and I talked about the Philadelphia and the Miami games. For some reason, whatever it is, they can't get up for these games that they should kind of dominate folks on. So I love my 49ers, but this has been a tough season. No Debo. There's no weapons. Nick Mullins has to win the football game. And the 49ers to win, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to say 20 to 13 Cowboys. And that would be the death knell for the 49ers. So I think they at least hope that strike three to end this game comes against a better opponent. But uh, as you said, they've struggled even you know with some of these bad ones. So just not a complete team when it's this beaten up this year. Definitely a far cry from 2019, but 
they'll do their best. So we'll see this on Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, thank you for listening to the previous 99 episodes. This was number 100. So a fun anniversary before the 49ers take on the Cowboys. We initially thought the 49ers-Cowboys this year might be something that harkens back to the great history between these two teams, but instead it's a 5-8 and eight team against a 4-9 and nine team, so not really evocative of those great games that Dennis played in, but uh, that's a discussion for another time. Anyway, enjoy the game on Sunday. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi signing off from episode 100 of Here's the Catch.